Hey everybody, it's Matt Powers. I'm an author, educator, family guy, and permaculturist, and I teach people all over the world how to live more regeneratively. And one of the things I passionately care about is making sure that our environment is clean. Because my wife has faced cancer over half a dozen times now. And our kids are so much higher in likelihood to get cancer or to face health challenges in their life, not just because of her predilection, because of what's happening to her in her life, but because of the environment that we all live in. People are born today with PCBs, lead, and other contaminants already in their blood. All children, the air, the water, the soil, the rain, all have these contaminants in them. People everywhere, especially parents, really are worried. And, you know, increasingly, we're getting active because it's not enough that we just get worried. We have to do something to protect our kids. We have to do more than just pass around memes online or videos like this online. We have to get active and make choices in our lives that protect ourselves. And one of the most important choices that we make in our, in our family is that we are GMO free. And so a lot of people are like, oh, but GMOs are so safe, they're in everything. Hmm, not quite. Um, because the reality is there's been a huge campaign in our high schools, in our colleges, in our agricultural departments to make this seem like an inevitability, make this seem safe, and make this seem like something that is more competitive and uh, more nutritious, more valuable than heirlooms and traditional things that our, our family and our heritage has already created and spent thousands of years creating. So GMOs, just to start off with, um, it's changed a lot through time. I mean, at one point they're using shotguns and they were literally shooting the genetic material into the other genetic material. And it was that force breaking, that forced the genes into the other genes. And so it would be super random. They would just be trying combinations out and seeing what would happen. And now we've got something different. It's a CRISPR gun. It's also another gun. Um, but they're injecting using this, this time a, me a mechanism that's that they're, they're interrupting a mechanism that's already built into the, into the um, encoding mechanism. And they're interrupting that and they're, they're taking, they're deleting and replacing genetic codes. Now, the thing is, this is all just changing sequences. So we're taking a sequence out, we're putting a sequence in. This is based on the idea that we're all machines. This is based on the idea that we are like, like, a, like a car, where you can take out a carburetor and put a better carburetor in it or something like that. Or, or uh, you don't like that red color of that tomato? Well, we'll make it redder, you know what I mean? Or something like that. But the reality is it's a lot more complicated than that. We are uh, genetically much more complex than we thought in the 70s and 80s when GMOs really began. So in 2005, there was an article on the cover of Discover Magazine about how DNA is not our destiny. DNA is not our destiny is the, is the article. You can find it online. I can link to it too. And basically, they figured out that we have these switches on the sides of our sequences that actually decide what that sequence 
will be phenotypically. Phenotypically means the expression of the sequence, right? So if it's a switch, well then how many options are there? There's over 30,000 genetic expressions for every single sequence. And the placement of that sequence in the genetic, the genetic line, in the, in the, you know, the double helix, actually is important. Okay, so before, you know, we didn't, we, did, we just thought it was the sequence, but now we're realizing the placement as it relates to other things matters. And so it's a syntactical thing. It's, it, we originally were thinking it's like Latin, you know, where you can mix up the words any way you like, and it says the same thing. It's not like Latin. Actually, we've discovered even Latin matters, and there's a subtlety to the way the words are arranged. So we're realizing that there's 30,000 possibilities for every sequence, okay? This is the reason that the honeybee can switch for just one switch, just one methyl switch on the side of the sequence can switch them from being a worker bee with all those skills to being a honeybee and gathering, doing the bee dance, locating and then going back home and the whole tracking of things and that's all in one little sequence. That's just a bee. How about your food? How about you? We're talking about genetically modifying children, but we don't have any clear idea of what will happen. Instead, we are literally going off of what we're seeing expressed and we're like, oh, it looks good. You know, it's big, it's green. You know, the person that ate it didn't die. And we're just shooting from the hip blindly and listening and hoping for a ding. And we're spending billions of dollars, and I say we because they're using taxpayer money to do this, and they're corrupting genes, they're releasing corrupted, polluted genetics into the world, spreading these things virally. Um, and it's these epigenetic switches that are you know, determining things, and then it's this, quote, junk DNA. They thought it was junk DNA until rather recently. 90% 90, 90 of our DNA is this junk DNA and it's so critically important. There's all these redundancies and we don't yet understand why there's redundancies, but it is all really important. We don't understand our DNA yet. We are just beginning to understand it. Part of playing with it is how we get to understand it. Totally, I get that, I understand that. But does that mean we feed it to our children and give them, you know, cancer? No, that doesn't but that's what we're doing. We are, we, we've, we've gone past reasonable risk. We've gone, you know, past the precedence of nature. We're currently, you know, making artificial DNA with extra amino acids to create um, alien DNA that's never been um, seen on Earth. Yeah, that sounds responsible. Nope, nope, does not. Um, so why, in general, because I mean, some people are going to be like, oh no, but Matt, these things happen all the time in nature. The, the genes, you know, the transposons, they travel, and then we've got jumping genes, and they're choosing. You're not choosing. Your lifestyle, your personal beliefs, and the toxins in your environment 
are actually, and then also your, 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 your inherited genes, those are the things that are actually determining your phenotypic expression, determining what gets passed on, determines how you adapt, and in, in, in large part, determines the mutations and determines which mutations are selected for. So these, these mutations sometimes can be seen as genetic flaws, but really they're an adaptation to the environment. They're constantly modulating and trying to adapt to the environment. We can see this with sickle cell anemia where we've adapted to fight against malaria. And it may look like a genetic flaw, but the bigger picture is it's genetically protecting us from malaria. And so when we look at vaccines, they are skipping out on the adaptation. They're not going through our epigenetics. They're not strengthening our immune system. They're not you know, using uh, the environment. They're not using our ch personal choices and behaviors to, you know, um, what they're doing is they're skipping around that and that's why it's not inheritable and that's why it doesn't stick. And so we have the ability to have really strong immune systems to then pass that immunity on. That's why we have people who are descended from plague survivors who are immune to AIDS currently and that's why they can take, you know, part of their bone marrow and inject it into someone else and then have them cured of AIDS as well. That was the Berlin patient um, in, in the early aughts and it's been over 10 years since they've been cured. So when we look at these genetic flaws and these adaptations that are actually encoded by our epigenetics, they last generations, they have this unbelievable power. And so we really want that kind of adaptation. We want that higher level adaptation. We want lasting benefits. We don't want a Band-Aid. And we also don't want to screw things up. We want to, we want to make sure we're playing it safe. So um, one last thing though, is these superbugs that we're seeing everywhere, they're because we've been using antibiotics to do the same thing. So we're skipping around our, our immune system's ability to fight these things, and we're just kind of sitting behind a wall. And meanwhile, they're adapting and responding to the environment and getting stronger and bigger, and we're just hiding behind the wall, not getting stronger at all, because we're not playing the game, we're not working out, we're not working our immune system out, and then they come over the wall and they're this big old monster. Instead of this thing that, you know, we were all able to handle, it's like every, every family, everyone's parents, everyone's grandparents already had measles. But now we're so afraid of measles because we've taken a time out. We've separated ourselves and now these things come over and they're these big monsters that we're, we just haven't had any experience with in our own lives, immunologically, and it is because of this idea that we can get around things, that we can control things, that we can avoid pain and suffering, and almost like we can avoid death. I mean, so many people on the internet are talking about how they want to live forever. It, all of this, it's the GMOs, it's the, the perfect plant, has all the nutrition you'll ever need. You just need this one kernel. You know what I mean? It's, it's this, you, you, utopian idea of the world that um, we can remove all suffering and pain, but the reality is you do that and you remove all meaning and purpose. 
not saying that that is the meaning and purpose of us on this planet to have pain or anything like that. But what I do mean is without struggle, without some hardship, without something to like push against, we don't grow. We don't, and that goes micro to macro. That's physical and emotional and mental, you know what I mean? Without a challenge, we don't rise. So this whole thing with GMOs where we're like, oh, we're gonna solve everything. We're gonna just go in there and make you a perfect being. You're never gonna have to work out. And have blue eyes and blonde hair and a perfect skin. And yeah, they're just talking stuff we've heard before. Stuff that keeps cropping up, like eugenics, like racism, like ethnic cleansing. We've seen this before come out of science. And uh, that was, you know, the phrenology, the bumps in our skulls kind of thing. And then that was the whole like eugenics. That's what led to the Nazis. And that's why, you know, that's, we've seen this before in science. That's why, you know, immediately there wasn't an incredible amount of outrage until they realized that they were killing these people um, because in all the higher levels of education, they were taught race theories. This poisonous way of thinking was behind World War II, was behind all the anti-Semitism in America, was behind all the racism, behind the segregation. It was all underpinning all those bad things and it came from the highest levels of science and academia and we're seeing it again just with GMOs. And, and, and when, when we have this utopian idea that we can never have something, that there's a perfect human being out there that we need to shape and then everything else is inferior, we are heading down a dangerous road when we do that. We are also, you know, obscuring, you know, something that is of critical importance to us all. We as individuals can perfect ourselves day by day, breath by breath, bite by bite, thought by thought, and cell by cell. It is our responsibility. It is in our control. Not like through a gun or something like that and we're controlling everything in a lab. No, this is you making positive choices in your life. You know, if you're smoking cigarettes, you're affecting up to four generations they're more likely to smoke cigarettes. If you aren't working out, you're affecting the health of your children that are gonna be born. If, you know, all these things literally affect your genes and then affect the next generation when you have children. So we are shaping our genes, we are shaping the genetics of the next generations with our choices, our daily exercise, our meditation, our breathing practices, our cultivation of gratitude. All these negative thoughts and feelings are toxins in our bodies because those epigenetic switches, as I mentioned before, they're affected not just by the toxins in your environment, not just by your behaviors as I've talked about, but also by your mind. Think about the prisoner of war that gets so depressed and down they start going downhill genetically. They start downregulating and getting sick. That other person that digs deep into their faith and starts praying and meditating constantly, they rise above and then they come out and they're like Nelson Mandela. They've, they're glowing with a purpose and, and a connection and enthusiasm.
And so we have a choice in this life to rise and to, to you know, to dance with this life, to, to get better every single day, to genetically improve, to have our immune systems be something that we cultivate not something we put on the shelf, not something we get a, a pill substitute for or a shot substitute for, when, for, for things that we're just afraid of, like chicken pox, for things that, that we should be trying to ramp up all of our immune systems as a culture, as a herd baby, so that we can ward these things off legitimately in a way that can be passed on. So every generation we get stronger and stronger and stronger instead of weaker and weaker and weaker. Because if we continuously try to do this game where we are circumventing nature, where we're trying to go the lazy man's route, we're trying to skip you know, the hard work and we're trying to just push a button and get through life and be instantly you know, rich or instantly perfect, um, we're, we're, we're facing the highest levels of consequences because we're sacrificing our purpose, a life of meaning, and true growth and progression as both a person and a part of the human race. So GMOs, they're based upon a paradigm that just doesn't fit with reality, with the science, with what we need generationally, culturally, and environmentally. So I avoid all GMOs. I don't support GMOs. I understand there's GMO research. We're finding and discovering new things, using those things, testing those things out in a lab. That could be fine if it's under controls and we don't let those things out into the, in the public, we're not eating those things, we're not giving those things to children, um, not endangering the environment, the animals, the plant life, the air, the water. So if you would like to dive deeper into all this stuff that I'm talking about, you're like, man, there's so much information. How do you get all this stuff, right? Okay, so Dr. Bruce Lipton, The Biology of Belief, will go into all the epigenetics. His research started in the 70s when everyone was going to DNA is destiny. He went into the fact that, you know, you take the same cell and you put it into a different environment and that cell will create a different thing. It will create different proteins. That cell will become a brain cell. That cell will become a liver cell. That cell will become a muscle cell. It's like, well, what the heck? I thought it was the genes. The genes are always the same in every cell, except the expression changes according to the environment. And so once he realized that, it started changing this everything. And he's been working on epigenetics ever since, and he's got so much information out there. So dive deep into Dr. Bruce Lipton. And then Dr. Joe Dispenza is such unbelievably amazing work. If you want to understand you know, the, the unlocking of ourselves, of our minds, the ability to improve ourselves day by day um, without having to go to these crazy, you know, 1984 Brave New World solutions where we'll inject a, a tube into everyone's brain. It'll make them happy. You know what I mean? It's like, what? <laughs> it's also science fiction and foolish. 
because we have these things built into us already and we just have to make better choices. So things like, you know, Wim Hof and, and Dr. Joe Dispenza's meditations take our mind and bodies to new levels of joy, clarity, and performance. So if you would like to unlock your greatest potential, start watching some of the videos that we're sharing here and start paying attention to Dr. Bruce Lipton, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Wim Hof, all the people out there that are finding out what's really possible with our bodies and our minds. So we don't need GMOs. We already have 30,000 edible plants out there that we're not using that are able to go into hotter temperatures, have higher levels of nutrition, can go in drier temperatures, can give us higher yields, all everything you possibly could imagine. With less work, everything you possibly could imagine that we need is already there. It's just not patentable. And that's really the trick with GMOs is they want to be able to patent it so that they can own it, so that they can market it, um, and that they can dominate the industry with it for a time period and make tons of money. So I just wanted to share with you all the facts of what is going on so that you can have a better idea of what genetics are, where we're at with them, and where this thinking has come from and where it's leading us because we don't want to go there. We want to rely upon nature. We want to rely upon our good choices, our abilities to be responsible, accountable people. And I know that you can do it too. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. And I will see you soon.